Greetings, my friends. It is time to get to the bottom of this sexual harassment allegation by Christine Blasey Ford. When she accused Brett Kavanaugh, the future Supreme Court justice on the, uh, the highest court in the land, of committing a sexual assault. Now, we will get into the full Monday morning quarterback, as it were. I have a huge stack of paper, a beautiful story written by Ryan Savardre. I'm sorry if I said that wrong from the uh, Daily Wire. And what, what it is is this the prosecutor. So if you didn't know, there was a prosecutor hired by the Republicans um, to, to do the questioning of the allegations of the person who waged these allegations of Brett, Ka- of Brett Kavanaugh. Now, this prosecutor is a, she's not on the Judiciary Committee. She's not a Senate member. She's a, she's a trained professional that is a prosecutor that deals with sexual assault and thre- sexual harassment allegations. So she's totally qualified to do this line of questioning. Now, her name is Rachel Mitchell. This is the name of the uh, prosecutor. And I think she did a great job because not only did she do the questioning of uh, Dr. Ford, she also did it of Kavanaugh for some of the time. So, Rachel Mitchell, the prosecutor, uh, who questioned Dr. Ford last week, said and wrote a five-page memo that was released this yesterday saying that she would not bring any criminal charges against Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. In the prosecutor, Rachel Mitchell's memo, she noted nine significant problems with Ford's testimony and underscores that her case is even weaker than a he said, she said. Because essentially what this is, is a he said, she said. They're both on different things, but a he said, she said case is incredibly difficult to prove. But this case is even weaker, uh, being that Dr. Ford identified other witnesses at the event, and those witnesses either refuted her allegations or failed to corroborate them. This is, that's from her, um, the prosecutor's report. She goes on to say, I do not think that a reasonable prosecutor would bring this case based on the evidence before the committee, nor do I believe that there's significant, there's sufficient ev- evidence to satisfy um, this, this case. Okay, so the prosecutor who is a professional in this field in sexual harassment allegations and, and does this for a living, doesn't think that this will be brought to, there's not enough evidence to bring this to court or to make any sort of big hubbub about. But the media seems to think that uh, Brett Kavanaugh is guilty because if somebody says you did something nowadays, that means you did it. But I have here a beautiful stack of nine things that we'll get into. So number one, Dr. Ford has not offered at all a consistent account of what's going on. Now, if we, can, we can step back to July 6th. Um, in her letters to the Washington Post, she said, Dr. Ford said that the sexual harassment allegations happened in the mid-1980s. And then later, July 30th, when she wrote to Senator Feinstein, she said it happened in the early 80s. And then later on, when she did her polygraph test, she said, quote, it happened high school, one high school summer in the early 80s. But then later she crossed out early and she never said why. And then another time, more recently in September 16th, she said it happened in the summer of 1982. So, and then it goes on even more. And then in more notes 
reported from her individual therapy session pretty recently, 2013. She wrote in her notes at her therapy session that this happened in her late teens. But just last week when she told the committee, she told them that she was 15. So while it is common for victims to be uncertain about specific dates, um, Dr. Ford has failed to explain how she was suddenly able to narrow the time frame in just a matter of months. Okay. Now next Dr. Ford has struggled to identify Brett Kavanaugh as the assaultant. Um, in her marriage therapy notes, 2012, she didn't say who who was the accuser when she did talk about this uh, this event. And then again in 2013, <clears throat> individual therapy notes, she did not name the accuser. Now, her husband did say that she named Brett Kavanaugh as the accuser back in 2012. But this is where it's kind of interesting. At the time, at the point when she named Kavanaugh to her husband, said Kavanaugh did this, was the very same time as Supreme Court nominee, as there was a Supreme Court nominee up in the year when Governor Romney, Mitt Romney, was running for president. He said he would pick Brett Kavanaugh to be his Supreme Court pick. Interestingly uh, relevant, and it's exactly the same situation as it is now. That's how she remembered the name. Anyway, when speaking with her husband, um, Dr. Ford changed her, her description of the incident to become much less specific. So, Dr. Ford testified that she told her husband about a sexual assault. But then, later, she told the Washington Post that she told her husband that she was a victim of physical abuse. And both times, you know, both times she's talking about this, she's talking about the same incident. That's the context of it. And Dr. Ford has no memory of key details of that night. So this is, this is the one that, that I think has the most meat. So first of all, she didn't remember who invited her to the party or how she heard about this party, that they, the alleged assault happened. Also, she didn't remember how she got to the party. She does not remember in what house or where it took place. Specifically, she says it was near a country club. And perhaps most importantly, she did not remember how she got home from the party. So her inability to remember these pretty key details definitely raise questions. So she, she really talks, she says it was near a country club, which if she was 15 at the time, it's seven miles away. It's, I'm reading here, it says this was seven miles away from her house she grew up. So being 15, she wouldn't have been able to drive. So she would have had to have been given a ride. Now, she also says that she remembers a very specific detail, which is interesting. She says she had exactly one beer at the time of the party. Now, whenever you see something like exactly or only or something like some word like that, it's, it's definitely a flag. It's definitely a red flag for something's not right here. Because if you can be that specific on, on that small of a detail, but you can't remember all these other things we just listed... It's, it's not matching the rest of this painting that she's been trying to portray. Now, Dr. Ford's account of the um, alleged assault has not been corroborated. Now, this, is the, this is, should be the most important thing, but it seems to be overlooked. It has not been corroborated by anybody she identified in this allegation, including her best friend, her lifelong friend. 
She, Dr. Ford named the people at this so-called party, Mark Judge, uh, Patrick Smith, her lifelong friend, uh, Leland Kaiser. And uh, guess what? All three eyewitnesses, apparently eyewitnesses, have submitted statements to the committee denying any memory of the party whatsoever. So her best friend, Miss Kaiser, stated, quote, simply put, Miss Kaiser does not, and this was, excuse me, this was written by um, her lawyer submitted this, but simply put, Miss Kaiser does not know Mr. Kavanaugh and has no recollection, recollection of ever being at a party or gathering where he was present with or without Ford. So later on, Miss Kaiser's lawyer also um, said, quote, the simple and unchangeable truth is that she is unable to cooperate Dr. Ford's allegation because she has no recollection of the incident in question. So everybody who Dr. Ford said was at the party at an unknown, t- unknown time and unknown location has said it didn't happen. Kavanaugh said it didn't happen. Everyone there said that it didn't happen under penalty of felony. Guess what? You probably don't want to lie if you get caught lying. That's a felony. So her account of the party, Dr. Ford's account of the party, has been insanely inconsistent. According to the Washington Post, um, in her therapy notes, she couldn't remember how many people were there. She said there were four boys, three boys in the bedroom, and of course it's changed to two people in the bedroom and her. In her testimony, Dr. Ford said that there were four boys in addition to Leland Kaiser and herself, but she could not remember the name of the fourth boy, and no one has come forward. Obviously, no one's come forward because this did not happen. So Dr. Ford listed Patrick Smith, which is a a friend of Brett Kavanaugh at the time, in her statements to the polygrapher uh, in, uh, on July 6th. She did not list... This is what's in... Okay, so she's, she took the polygraph, and she listed this Patrick Smith as a bystander, but she didn't even list her best friend, Kaiser, Leland Kaiser, on her polygraph test. She didn't list that she was there. But, but when she presented to the committee, she said that she was there and these other people were there. Okay, so now Dr. Ford has struggled to recall the importance of recent events relating to her allegations and her testimony regarding recent events. This, this raises a lot of questions about her memory. So Dr. Ford really had a hard time uh, remembering her very recent, like within the last few months, interactions with the Washington Post. Dr. Ford could not remember if she showed all or some of her therapy notes to the Washington Post record, uh, reporter. Excuse me. And it, what also it, this is also interesting. She forgot if she showed any texts to the Washington Post from from an app. I mean, this is like a month or two ago. She didn't. She absolutely refuses to show any of her therapy notes to the committee, which is interesting. Why you showed them to the reporters? Why not show them to the committee? Dr. Ford's explanation of why she disclosed her allegations the way she did really does raise questions because originally she said that she wanted this to remain confidential. She testified that there was really no sense of urgency to relay this information to the Senate or the president. She did not contact 
Oh, excuse me. She said that there was a sense of urgency, but, but she didn't even try to contact the Senate because she claims she didn't know how to do that. Dr. Ford did not even remember if she was being audio or video recorded when they, she took the polygraph test, which, by the way, they tell you, they have to tell you that if you're being recorded. But she couldn't remember that. And what's also even more interesting and juicy is that she couldn't remember whether the polygraph occurred the same day as her grandmother's funeral or not. And this, is, this one is the most interesting. They won't do a polygraph test um, it's considered to be inappropriate to administer a polygraph when somebody's grieving. It'll skew the results. Okay, last but not least, Dr. Ford's description of her psychological impact has raised a lot of questions. She claims she had PTSD. Now, a huge thing of PTSD is not selective memory. It's pretty transparent that PTSD encompasses a very specific, you remember the uh, all the events perfectly. i War heroes who have PTSD, yeah, they don't just remember a little bit of this and a little bit. They can paint the picture perfectly. They can tell the story flawlessly. Her her symptoms of her so-called attack by Brett Kavanaugh has prevented her from flying. This is what she said. But she did testify that she's a fairly frequent flyer. She flies to the Mid-Atlantic once a year. She flies to Hawaii, French Polynesia, Costa Rica. She flew to Washington, D.C. Somebody with a fear of flying, no, they're not flying. I know people with fear of flying. They will literally not fly at all. Okay, so this is another kind of interesting thing. The committee offered to fly out to California because... She said she was afraid of flying. So they said, oh, we'll fly out to California. No problem. Dr. Ford said that she was not clear that the committee would fly out to hear her. So this raises questions about her attorney because her attorney never communicated with Chairman Grassley, who was the one who offered to fly out and meet her in California. They didn't want that to happen. But that's not what we're discussing. Also, she, um, Dr. Ford, excuse me, I'm right here. Uh, Dr. Ford, this is, this is great. Dr. Ford uses the word contributed rather than caused when she's talking about this sexual assault. Now, using the word contributed that this event contributed to her mental problems rather than cause suggests that other life events may have contributed or caused her symptoms. So we know, we know that this, this whole thing is complete hubbub, complete mock. It's a complete mockery to be frank. Here's a person who claims something and has very, very little to no details. Her facts are all over the place. The people who she says was there said didn't happen. She forgets very convenient and very key factors. She says she has PTSD when PTSD experts have come out and said, yeah, that's not PTSD. PTSD, you remember the event flaw. You could... See it like a movie. 
You relive it like a movie. But I, I have some other questions that I think, I think aren't being answered. For one, how did she know it was Brett Kavanaugh? For, like, did she ever meet Brett Kavanaugh? And by the way, when you meet somebody, even at a party or something like that, because keep in mind, Brett Kavanaugh went to an all-boys school. So to meet a, a, a female outside of the school, you'd have to meet them at some sort of social gathering or sporting event, perhaps. But it wasn't going to happen during school, right? So when you meet somebody, do you tell them your first and last name? Do you say, hi, my name's Brett Kavanaugh? When you're 15, 16? I don't think so. Especially with a name like Kavanaugh. It's not exactly the most attractive name. So the, the idea that she knew it was him without question, how is this possible? We didn't get any explanation of how she even knew who he was. We didn't get any explanation of the, where, she didn't even say where this took place. Brett Kavanaugh said, um, yeah, that's pretty far away from my house. I wouldn't have been able to get there. And there's one other thing that just seems to be ridiculously obvious in this whole thing. And when you watch it, and this requires watching her testimony, when you watch it, she's got a lot of tweaky things going on. Like subconsciously, she just opens and closes her mouth, which I was just watching a report of a psychologist saying that that's, uh, that means something's not right upstairs. She has the upward inflection in her voice, which is typically reserved for people um, under the age of 12, when she goes like, yes, and yeah. And I think all of this is, is a play. It's a ploy to, of course, delay, 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 delay the confirmation. But it's so obvious to me that, and, and I think it's obvious to a lot of people that this is, this is complete, this is a complete sham of an allegation because there are actual women who have been sexually assaulted. But to rally behind, for all we know, she did get sexually assaulted. And she's using a memory of something that, did, that didn't occur with Brett Kavanaugh or even in the same time to try to manipulate it and change it into this so it feels more real. I think that's probably most likely what's happening is that she did get sexually assaulted and she's using that memory of an actual memory and, but repainting over the facts with convenient facts for this time period. Because it took her 36 years to remember that, um, oh, oh, you know who it was who did it? Brett Kavanaugh, back in 2012 when Mitt Romney said he would nominate Brett Kavanaugh. That's pretty convenient timing to remember that. And then forget about it for four or five more years, and then when Trump says Kavanaugh's the nominee, she comes out and says it. Says that she's, it's very urgent that the Senate Judiciary Committee learns about this, but she's going to make no effort to contact the Senate, contact the committee, because she did not know how. Are you serious? You can literally call them. She forgets key, key parts of her story. People in this, this is, I mean, people in the story said did not happen under, under punishment of felony if they lied. But yet we're here waiting a week to learn from the FBI that this didn't happen. Hmm. Interesting. 
I think it's pretty clear that that it didn't happen. Seeing as how there's no proof, she has very little memory of the night. Everybody there said didn't happen. She has no witnesses. She has conflicting stories. She said she's afraid of flying. But yet she flew to DC, no problem. Can we also just bring up this topic of her GoFundMe page? Over half a million dollars. Huh. That's convenient. Isn't that convenient? She makes these <laughs> ridiculous allegations and uh, raises half a million dollars. For what exactly? Not her lawyer fees. Her lawyers were uh, pro bono. Diane Feinstein recommended them. Liberal lawyers, free of charge. Here's half a million dollars from a GoFundMe page. By the way, they flew her out to DC. It's really, it's really. When you get to the facts, it's pretty obvious. Okay, well, that's that's all I have for you today. Thank you for listening to 10 with Quinn. Great to have you. See you next time.